It is the dog days of summer, my friends. And that means a lot of things to a lot of people. But right here and right now in most city H-Town, Houston, Texas, a city that I live in, it means that it is incredibly hot, like ninth level of hell inferno type hot when you go outside. And it's been like that for a while now. It's pretty unbearable and then there's like weird events that go along with this also now if you don't know dog days of summer is associated with and and where this comes from where did that originate people think it originates with uh oh god it's just so hot that might have something to do with it because you're hot and so you walk around like a like a dog uh, but more than likely, this nomenclature originates with a number of ancient civilizations, amongst them the Greeks, Romans, Egyptians, um, having associations. I, mean, I, I think even the Sumerians, but don't quote me on that. Babylonians, maybe. Associations with the star Sirius, which is also called the dog star, um, and is associated with Anubis, with the Egyptians. And if you listen to Sirius XM in your car, and... If you ever wondered, they have a little dog logo. What Sirius have to do with the dog? Well, it has to do with the star Sirius, which is the dog star. I like the the star Sirius because it's the brightest star in the sky. It's the easiest to find. If you know where the Big Dipper is, you just follow the handle of the Big Dipper and it points to Sirius. And then there's other stuff that goes along with this, like some civilizations, they say that, um, or some ancient, you know, esoteric you know, information that you find indicates that uh, maybe life, human life originated from this star system and, and journeyed here, or maybe something like that. Maybe ETs get involved. Um, Robert Anton Wilson wrote a book a book called Cosmic Trigger, where he talks about doing um, a series of magical workings based on um, Aleister Crowley's instructions, I believe. And as a result of this, he came to believe that he was receiving transmissions from Sirius or from beings from Sirius um, and so he, he wrote about that and that's like some interesting stuff. If you ever get a chance, check that out. And then that of course is a clue to, um, these books that I'm occasionally connected with putting out in cooperation with the esoteric order of Beelzebub called the serious workings. Um, and then you've got, um, Philip K. Dick, I think one of my favorite sci-fi writers he wrote a book called divine invasions and this had to do with god uh being an alien who's coming back home to earth and he's been in the serious 
system for a while. Um, oh, and then there's Robert K. Temple's book, The Serious Mystery. So that's really the one you should check out. And this is based mostly, he goes into like, like some of the ancient stuff, like the Egyptians and, and, and whatnot. But there's a tribe there in Africa called the Dogon tribe. And that is in uh, Mali, Africa. And when archaeologists or anthropologists visited them um, back in the, I don't know, like the 20s, 30s, something like that. Probably actually the 60s. Don't quote me on, on this part. Um, the Dogon people said that they came from Sirius. That's where they came from, uh, a star up in the sky. And the reason that this claim was taken as being significant was that they had a map of it. They had a map of the Sirius system and they indicated and in and, and, and relation to the other planets and stuff, of course, a primitive map, um, but it indicated that Sirius was a twin star system. Uh, you know, two suns, just like Star Wars, A New Hope. When Luke's sitting there on Dantooine and they're playing the music and he's thinking, oh, am I ever going to get off of this piece of shit planet? And he's staring off and he sees the two suns and it's all, it's all peaceful and moving and stirring and honestly one of the greatest cinematic moments uh, in history next to I Am Your Father. But I mean, this is this is based on like you know the idea of Sirius. It's a two-star system, and here's the thing: is that the we did not know that about Sirius. It, Sirius really is a two-sun system. It's a two-star system. There's actually Sirius A and Sirius B. And I think when you look in the sky and you see that big old star up there, Sirius, I think you're you're just seeing Sirius A. Sirius B, it's very small and it's not lit. And it's not visible in the light sky. And no one even knew about it. All of our astrological experts and scientists and all of the king's men did not know that it was a twin star system until very, very recently, way before this interview happened. So this is what made uh, these anthropologists who were visiting Mali and Robert K. Temple and all these people go, that's weird. How do they know about that? Because they um, had a map of it. They had a very clear mythology, and um, and so that it's pretty amazing. And so and and then just from that, they can trace back the area, the territory where they lived in, and how this is possibly the oral tradition came from uh, ancient Egypt because they're not that far away. And, 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 and possibly that knowledge had, had survived via oral tradition from the ancient Egyptians on to these Dogon people living now. So it's kind of controversial, though. Some other folks have come along since then and said the problem with all of this is that um, these tribal people, the reality is that they don't always tell the truth and they often have fun with Westerners, especially when this means the Westerners are going to hang around more and give them more resources and you know 
if you've ever been on a cruise through the Caribbean and, and you got off on, say, the island of St. Thomas and you immediately get attacked by um, all these merchants trying to sell you stuff, then you kind of know, um, you know that that's a possibility also. So, um, so that's, it's still a mystery, I guess. Uh, it's a mystery that's sitting out there and, um, and, and here's a interesting thing too, is you can go now. I mean, when I first learned about all this Dogon stuff, I thought it was, oh, this is really amazing, um, and obscure, but guess what? In the modern age, uh, the Dogon people, they have access to YouTube just like everybody else. And so, um, you can go on YouTube and you can search Dogon and you can search serious mystery and you can see interviews with these people, contemporary stuff. Like they made it like a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, they make a little video of themselves talking about, you know, Dogon mythology and, and the history of their people and, you know, upload it to YouTube just like anyone else can. And there's some interesting stuff. I mean, for the most part, the Dogon people still stand by this, this, um, statement that they came from the star system Sirius and that their oral tradition ultimately derives from an extraterrestrial source. And you can also see some of the dances that they do. Their tribal dances are pretty interesting. And they claimed like, you know, they, the, the dances are, they're mapping out, you know, the star system or mapping out the uh, movement or the, you know, events in the, in the great space migration that took place. And the other thing that's really interesting is you can see some of the architecture of the places that they live. They're little Dogon villages. And they're really interesting. You know what it reminds me of? More than anything else, it reminds me of the architecture on, uh, once again, Dantooine, Episode 4, New Hope. Little mud huts that are all like kind of uh, circular and... Um, you know, little round windows and stuff like that. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like, I mean, when you see images of Africa now, you don't see that. You see like just like these really shitty slums. People either live in a in a third world polluted city slum or else they live just out in the desert and they're just wandering around out there. But you see the Dogon people, they got these nice little huts that they're in. They're nice little, um, kind of like adobe, like little little buildings. But anyhow... Go check that out. I didn't really want to talk about all the history of the Dogon people. I just wanted to point out that um, this is that time period of the dog days of summer. And according to the ancients, this is the time during which Sirius, the star Sirius, is, is not closest to Earth, but when the channels are most clear between Sirius and and Earth, whatever good you think that might do you. And so one of the things that happens, and this is something, uh, you know, Robert Anton Wilson talks about, is that there's a, it seems to be during this time period, in addition to extreme heat and occasional emotional outbursts, there also seems to be an unwarranted amount of synchronicities and coincidences which is why it's a very interesting time to set out on 
these uh, sorts of serious workings, as Robert Anton Wilson talks about, these little operations um, to see what comes of it, as well as it's an interesting time to take special note of events occurring in your life and how they may correlate with yet other events in your life. So what I really wanted to talk about is how these dog days opened up for me. And the dog days opened up. I was out walking my dogs with uh, my wife. I got our female Doberman, Ilsa, with me. She's got our boy, Cosmo. And I'm leading the way and I'm going down a street that we usually walk down. We walk down this street a hundred times before and on the other side of the street there was a lady over there and she had a big um, Great Dane and a little pit bull mix they're going to the bathroom on that side of the street so we're walking by you know on the opposite side which is you know completely within the parameters of you know, dog owner etiquette, walking the dog etiquette, stay on the other side of the street um, is a way to go. And so we're on the other side of the street going over and um, dogs start barking. Her little um, pit bull got loose uh, out of her grasp, ran over and just sunk her jaws right into Ilsa, right into her neck. And uh, I was like, Oh my God. And, and, and so I just kind of went into, I went into berserker rage mode and I just got down on the ground and was like kind of tussling around in a little dog frenzy, trying to get this dog off. I was yelling at the woman, get, get your fucking dog off. And she was like, Oh, I don't know. What, what? Oh, I'm so sorry. Eh, eh. You know, so many dog owners are like this. There's like, uh, Eh. it's like you know you gotta if you have a dog and especially if it's a work dog you need to be able to handle the dog you need to be the master of your dog if you're like oh yeah you just you know you just gotta let them let them do what they want you can't like you can't oppress them yeah, people like that should not own dogs they should not be allowed to own dogs and it's the same, you know, it's it's more dangerous if it's a large dog, a work dog. But I see people like this even with little dogs, like chihuahuas and stuff. I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm in, you know, East Texas here. There's chihuahuas all over the place, a very popular dog, as are pit bulls. And I'm not an anti-pit bull person. It's the, it's, you know, blame the, I'm blame the owner, not the dog. It's not the dog's fault that they their their gene pool is being exploited by immoral people. It's not the dog's fault. But the thing about this kind of dog and all bully breeds is they have that lock jaw, which means they lock on and they don't let go. They lock on and they don't let go. So you ever read Jack London's book White Fang White Fang was a uh, wolf hybrid 
who ended up coming into man's world, being captured, and becoming a successful successful in the dog pit fighting scene. And you know, White Fang was always triumphant, always taking down all the other dogs. He was just a hero. And then one day, White Fang gets paired against a pit bull, which is rare because this is all happening in, you know, Alaska or the Yukon or something. White Fang gets paired against a pit bull. And he says, oh, this little, look at this scrawny little dog. Uh, you know, it, it's so small. Um, I, this is going to be no problem. I'm going to win for sure. And he goes into the fight, and what happens? The dog locks on to his neck and doesn't let go, no matter what. So I felt a little bit, as this was all going down, I felt a little bit like I was right in the middle of the action of, of White Fang. And... I got all scraped up. Finally, the woman like gets his dog off, and the other big dog, Great Dane, comes over. He's rough, rough, and he's like, like I mean, he took a bite too. Oh, there they go. So he took a bite too, but he didn't mean to. I don't, you know, he's just, you know, protecting his tribe. And, you know, eventually they got off, and and then we went through a big process of taking my dog to the vet, rushing her to the vet. I mean, she was still walking, but she had some gaping wounds on her. You could see the skin, the red skin underneath, and there wasn't she wasn't pouring out blood, but she was definitely bleeding. Well, and we're back. So I started recording this podcast um, in early August and then a bunch of stuff happened I was talking about how crazy the dog days was and all kinds of stuff happened I went to New York came back from New York started some new projects um, and had a lot of unexpected things happen far too numerous for me to go into right now let me just just cap this off here by letting letting you know my that Elsa is fully healed now I mean everything it's like she's forgotten the whole thing it's just amazing how these how dogs bounce back and um, one thing I think that I've taken away from this whole experience is it's reaffirmed my my love for this being, it's, I think it's made her sweeter in some ways. If it's changed her in any way, it's made her sweeter and more loving. And there's something about these beings, dogs specifically, how they go through life with you. And I look at the Ruby, she's our oldest. We got her in 2004 and her birthday is on the same day as mine and she her astrological signs uh both the western and the chinese are are the same we're both virgo leos and we're both year of the monkey but we're so connected with her she's she's just um such a wonderful being she's still here and 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 hanging on and and you know the 
Zoroastrians, going back to Zarathustra again, they recognized the special role of dogs um, as being similar. They have a role in like the funerary practices and they're almost treated like, like human beings. And I look at dogs as being creatures who have souls. When I think about resurrection and afterlife and, and all of those sorts of possibilities, and this is a question that always comes up with this, and I think it's such an important question. I hope I haven't already said it in this podcast, in this episode. But the question is about afterlife is, will I see my friends there? Will I see my family there? Will I see other people there? Because if you don't, if it's just you like going off on your own in the universe forever, then that doesn't sound like fun. That sounds kind of lonely. So to me, the only way that that immortality or afterlife or survival of the uh, self beyond body death um, is only relevant, it's only significant if if we can talk about we're going to see other people. And that's how, I mean, that's that's a very deep emotional thing. And I could talk about Russian cosmism. And and the ideas of Fedorov, which some of you have heard me talk about here and there. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. Um, but, you know, this gets into the idea of resurrecting the ancestors, the desire, the, the, the original cult is the cult of the dead ancestors. And this is all based on the desire to maintain a connection with the ancestors, your, the people you know, your family, your friends, and to be able to bring them back or bring yourself to a place where they are uh, in a new state of being. And this is exactly the sort of afterlife vision that Zarathustra and the Zoroastrians talk about. It's called Frasho Kareti, the great making wonderful and I feel that my dogs are going to be there too. I think you're going to see the people that you love. And I think you're going to see your dogs too. There, I said it. The dogs get to come along. Maybe the cats. I'm not really a, a cat person anymore. I used to love cats. I used to have cats, but I developed an allergy to them. So I'm kind of estranged from them. So if you're a cat person, you can think that you're, cat, you're going to see your cats too. But for me, I'm a dog person. I'm going to see my dogs there. I fought for my dog. I fought for Ilsa. I was on the ground struggling about to beat the shit out of this other dog. And, and I would do it again. And I did it to keep her here with me. And I do that for anyone that I love. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this really weird episode. Um, after my little break... And I want to wish everyone out there the best going forward into the mysterious future that is ahead of us and to keep fighting the good fight and to keep the dark fires burning later. <laughs>